branches, the odd fallen tree, all gave some cover. The man turned his attention to the arrow. Thinking of it brought back the pain. He forced it down again. His left arm was almost useless. Using his teeth and the dagger in his right hand, he cut the sleeves of his sheepskin coat and linen tunic away from the wound. He had to bite his lip hard when the material pulled clear. The blood started to flow fast again. The man unstoppered his wine flask. Not pausing to dwell on it, not giving cowardice an opportunity to undermine his resolve, he poured the alcohol over the wound. The pain was searing. He drummed his heels, clenched the discarded sheepskin in his teeth. Not crying out, he cleaned the wound. The pain... The stench of greasy sheepskin, its revolting lanolin taste, the man spat and then retched. The convulsive movement made the pain worse. He fought for control. He used the mental tools at his disposal. Imagine the pain as a red-hot ember, his arm as a fennel stalk. Force the ember down inside the stalk. Let it glow there in the dark, smolder, do its worst. You can carry it for miles, the surface of the fennel barely warm to the touch. The pain somewhat mastered. The man sniffed the wound. Nothing, just blood and wine, the homely waft of sacrifice. Relief ran through him. They had not used the most potent of local poisons, not the one whose mere scent could injure or blind. If they had employed another, it probably mattered little. Every morning, like all his family, he had climbed the ladder to the top room of the tower. There his father had unlocked the big, bound chest, had measured out the potions. Every morning, the seven of them, father, mother, the four boys, and their sister, had drunk down a little draught of every poison, all except one that was known in the region. It took a time. There were many poisons known in Suanya. Endless, innocent mornings vitiated by nausea and pain, but all worth it on a dreadful afternoon such as this one. There was an inch or so of splintered shaft protruding. It was inscribed with strange markings. The arrowhead was barbed. It could not be pulled out. He could cut it out, but he would scream and bring the hunters down on him. He sat and thought. He unbuckled his bow-case and quiver. They were useless to a one-armed man. He took two straps from them. One he tied tight above the wound. The flow of blood slowed almost instantly. The other he fashioned into a sling. He regarded the bow-case for a time. He considered his weapons. On his belt, a sword and dagger— Another two daggers, one hidden in a boot, the other in the lining of his coat. He pulled a bowstring from the case, and gripping one end in his teeth, made it into a lariat. Somewhere in the distance, a hound gave voice, and a man called. The main body of the hunt, or the assassins? There was no way to tell. It was time to move, time to decide what to do. Leaving the bowcase and quiver, the torn scraps of clothing, the bloodied ground, the man moved off through the trees, 
away from the direction in which he had come. He tracked up the slope until he came to a small glade. Through the break in the foliage he could see the sky, a hard, distant blue. Darkness would fall within two hours. He looked north to the mountains. The crocuses lived up to their Scythian name. In the cold sunshine their flanks were still gleaming white with snow. But the mountains were smoking. Wisps of vapor curled up towards the peaks, coalesced into a dark cloud at the very summit. The first snows would fall here in the upland valleys in an hour or so. Darkness would come early. Not long to stay alive. The man felt sick again, sick and weak. He thought for a moment, then, taking a slightly different angle, stepped back into the trees the way he had come.